Good morning. Jesus, we thank you. For Tuesdays. We thank you for flour and muffins and buttermilk and butter. We thank you, Jesus, for children and joy and happiness and bread. We thank you for peace. Thank you for puppies. Thank you for daddy. Thank you for babies. I thank you, Jesus, for this table. Don't bend them. Thank you for the sun that's shining. I thank you for a beautiful day. We thank you, God, for um, just bringing us the new day. You're so good to us, God. We're so grateful. I thank you for Ian's career. God, we thank you for helping me write this book. We thank you for your son dying on the cross for us. I am writing a book. And God wants me to write a book. And I'm trying to just obey him. I think he wants it to call, be called Embark. Embark. Anyway, let, let us pray. So, um, I, don't, I don't think letters can pray. I know. Let's I know. close our eyes <laughs> and open our hearts to what does the Holy Spirit want us to pray about today? Pray it. Just pray what he put on your heart. You're mumbling because you're mouthful. I'll have a plate soon. Get the seat run soon. Who's Ryan? Get rid of COVID and everybody. Who's Ryan? Get done with school pass. Hopey. Very good. What about In Jesus' Hopi? name. Amen. What about me? Cade, what about you? What's My God. Jesus Christ, help us see what about me? All of our friends except one that don't believe in God. And Okay, Hope, what's your prayer? <laughs> what's your prayer, honey? Please help baby and me and my cat and Kate and and Lukey and and, and a little and and a little doggy. And Jubilee, and I say, and thank you for giving them all sick, not sickness again. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hobby, you should have prayed about wishing 
we can watch a show. Jesus, we know that you have a plan for us this day. I give you every hour and every minute of this day. God, let our thoughts be on you. Give us strength for the tasks in front of us. Lord Jesus, I pray for the minds of my children and husband and me that we would um, think well. God, that our brains would operate at our best capacity. That we would um, be disciplined in the day for just how we homeschool God. Thank you, Lord, that we can do things like IEW and art class and CC and all the things that, like math, God, that we have money to order uh, the, the next math books. Stop it. I thank you, Jesus, that um, our children are learning well. God, I pray for them to grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that they would respect you, that they would obey you, God. Lord Jesus, I put the writing of this book in your hands. I need your help because um, I just don't have the capacity without you. But with you, we can do all things. God, we open knowledge for Ian's career. I ask that you would open knowledge for his career. We know all things come from you, including knowledge, God. I ask that you would give him wisdom and insight into that technology and the methods and the systems in place, God, that he can make a difference, that even that there would be a um, intelligent disruptor that he discovers, God, that um, helps the company succeed, Lord Jesus. And we acknowledge you and your help in that profession. God, you have entrepreneurship in store for us. God, show us the ways that you would have us do that. Show us the ways that you would have us accomplish it. Um, give us your plan. God, we submit ourselves to you. We know that you do have a plan and we submit our ways to you, God. We know that we're lower than you, Lord Jesus. So we ask for your ways which are higher than us. We know that you give us the mind of Christ. The Bible says that. I ask that when we read your word, we would hide your word in our hearts, God. We would memorize your word. We would be changed and transformed and renewed by your word. Lord God, I think of all the different people that you've put in our path. And you know who's flowing through my heart right now as I'm praying. God, I ask that you would lift them up, that you would deliver and heal them, God. That you would make a difference, that you would help them manage relationships, Lord. That you would um, seal them with your heart. Seal them with your honor. It's a privilege to walk with you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to do Psalm 39. I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. Jesus, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to keep our tongue from sins. Teach us how to watch our ways. Teach us how to put a muzzle on our mouths, God. What? After this, can we please have go do a workout? Yeah, or a walk. We'll see what Daddy wants to do. Do a walk. Walk. When I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot. You're not respecting reading. Listen. 
My heart grew hot within me. And as I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth. For you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. You rebuke and discipline men for their sin. You consume their wealth like a moth. Each man is but a breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping, for I dwell with you as an alien, a stranger as all my fathers were. Look away from me, that I may rejoice again before I depart and am no more. David knew how short his life was. Did you hear him say that? Show me my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. He asked God to help him know that. Okay. Proverbs 10 verse 14. Wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Why do we memorize things? Why do we memorize things? Because it'll help us. Wise men store up knowledge, right? Uh The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. When you read the Bible, you can always go to a different part of the Bible to help you understand that. So if we were to go to Proverbs 18.11... We would understand what God means. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Let's go to Proverbs 18.11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Is there much security in that? There's not. This is tall. And then it says the poverty is the ruin of the poor. Verse uh, chapter 19, verse 7 says, A poor man is shunned by all his relatives. How much more do his friends avoid him? Though he pursues them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. Do you know you can be poor with money or you can be poor in your spirit? Did you know if you're poor in your spirit? You cannot bring life to the people around you. What's poor in your spirit? Poor in your spirit means that you are bankrupt. You don't go to the Lord to get his filling back up. You have to go to God to get his filling back up. Are you supposed to use your hands when you're upset with somebody? Sorry. Sorry. That's better. So if you're poor in your spirit... Your friends don't come to you because you don't have a lot of wisdom. 
Okay. The wages of the righteous bring them life. The wages of the righteous. Do you understand what I'm saying? The wages. What is a wage? You're not listening to me. You're being disrespectful. At the end of the day for work. It's like a thing that you get. Payment for work. The wages of the righteous bring them life. But the Very good. But the income of the wicked brings them punishment. What is income? It's the same thing as wages. Payment for work, right? So the wages of the righteous bring them life. I'll read Proverbs 18:11 to you. The wages of the righteous bring life. What else does God mean? Oh, well, it's the same thing. The wages of the righteous bring them life. Oh, 11. Proverbs 11, 18 to 19, rather. 11, 18 to 19. The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Do you know what it means to sow righteousness? You sow a field, right? Yeah. You plant a field. You can sow, you can plant seeds of righteousness. Or not, right? You could plant seeds of sin. Like if God tells you to plant Like if God tells you to plant then you will. And if God tells you to not plant, then you will. I'm going to read to you this thing, Hosea, that's right, Hosea 10, 12 to 13. This is about, this is about sowing seeds of righteousness. Listen, Hosea 10, 12 to 13 says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the lord until he comes thank you and showers righteousness on you where does righteousness come from on you on you on you comes from god god showers righteousness on us he says sow for yourselves righteousness and reap the fruit of unfailing love does love ever fail We know that love never fails. It says that in 1 Corinthians 2. It's unfailing. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground. What does it mean to have unplowed ground? Mama, I hug you. But you're not listening, so go back. You have, there's, if you think of your heart as a field and there's part of your heart that's unplowed, what does it mean? Like not spiritual, not spiritual. No, it's not like the rocks aren't taken out. You didn't give that part over to God. We have to give God every part of our heart, right? Yeah, and I said not all of our part is spiritual. That's right. It's the same thing. And like the Bible says, break up that unplowed ground. Like God doesn't let any field come into us. And then I'll give you this, and I'll give. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. So that's very good. The income of the wicked brings them punishment. The income of the wicked brings them punishment. 
There's always a product from our actions. And if you are wicked, if you act in a wicked way, your income will bring you punishment. Okay, Jeremiah 18. What do we learn from Jeremiah, guys? Very good. Repentance, judgment, and restoration. And first we heard about Jeremiah's call. Then we heard, and we're still hearing, warnings and exhortations to Judah. God is talking to Judah. So we're going to read chapter 18. This is at the potter's house. Listen to me, not each other. Listen to me. Have discipline. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Who's speaking here? Jeremiah is repeating God. Yes. Go down to the potter's house. What is the potter's house? The guy that makes pottery, right? Jeremiah has to go to his house. It's like God saying, hey, go over there to that house. And then you're going to have to tell this person something, right? And there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house. Did Jeremiah obey? He did. And I saw him working at the wheel, like a potter's wheel. Do you ever see a wheel that's spinning? Yeah. And somebody's shaping pottery? You stick your finger in it, and the entire pot will have a line in it. I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. What does marred mean? It broke. Oh. It broke. It collapsed. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it. Hope you're supposed to sit here. Come back. Shaping it. Do you want a, to sit in timeout or to come here? Those are your two choices. <clears throat> okay, then sit in timeout. You made your choice. If you scream and carry on, you're going to your room. I'm sorry you didn't make the right choice. Calm down. Sit. Okay, that's hard when we don't make the right choice. Okay, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Okay, listen. Jeremiah did not know what he was going to say or do at the potter's house. He simply obeyed the Lord. He went there, and he saw the clay being formed, and it collapsed. And then he saw the man shape another pot. Then the Lord gave him this word. O house of Israel, nor can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Uprooted, taken out. Taken out. Like a nation or a kingdom fell. If America was overtaken by France and made to be part of France, America would have been uprooted. Not likely. But I don't know. America does have good forces. Oh. 
If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will, re- I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Okay, do you understand what God said? God is saying to Jeremiah, I make the nations rise and fall. And the nations can receive either payment for evil or payment for wickedness. I mean, or payment for good based on their behavior. So God says what will happen to a nation. But the people of that nation, including especially its leaders, determine the outcome by their behavior. I asked you to sit at the table. No, your answer should be yes, ma'am, and have a good attitude and sit. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Practice having a good attitude with me. Practice having a good attitude with me. If not, you're going to go back out, Hopi. Don't blame anybody else. You look in your own heart. I'm going to count to five so you have a chance to fix your attitude. I want to smile when I, by the time I get to five. One, two, three, four, five. Too late. Go back and sit in timeout so you can fix your attitude or go back to your room. That was a poor choice. Okay. Okay. This is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. Look, is the Lord giving Judah a chance to change their outcome? He is. But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, does the Lord know what they're going to say? He knows. This is what the Lord says. Inquire among the nations. Who has ever heard anything like this? A most horrible thing has been done. By virgin Israel. Does the snow of Lebanon ever vanish from its rocky slopes? Does its cool waters from distant sources ever cease to flow? Yet my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols, which made them stumble in their ways. And in the ancient paths, give it back. They made them walk in bypaths and on roads not built up. Their land will be... Laid waste. An object of lasting scorn. All who pass by will be appalled and will shake their heads. Do you want to hear about pottery making in biblical times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. 
I'll tell you about pottery making. I'll see the picture. I want to see the picture. Bethlehem tomb. Oh, this is pottery that was found in a Bethlehem tomb in the seventh century after Jesus died. Okay, and it's in Britain right now. It's from the Brit. This picture, at least, was taken in the British Museum. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. They found a lot. They had to put it back together. Can you see that there's all cracks and it was glued back together? I I know from experience that is extremely hard. Yeah. Seems. Little tiny cracks. Yeah. That's extremely hard. I know. I mean, how could you even put a pottery together? All right, I'll tell you about it. Archaeologists have discovered a great deal of evidence related to pottery making in ancient Israel, including the remains of workshops, potter's wheels, tools, unfired vessels, prepared clay, and kilns. A large production area was excavated at late bronze and Iron Age Megiddo, for example. Megiddo, hmm... Production typically followed the method described below. All right, do you want to hear about this or not? Because you're giggling and not paying attention. After the clay had been extracted from the ground, they would go outside and they would get some clay from the ground. Some silty soil. It was brought to the workshop and prepared. Foreign objects were removed and water as a softening agent was added as a softening agent. So the clay would have stones in it because it wasn't like somebody, well, God made the clay, but they had to get stones and worms and bugs and all the pebbles out of the clay so that it was smooth, right? The clay was wedged by a process of kneading or treading. So um, wedged means that they got all the air out of it. The clay would fart like all this? the air out. Like they would press the air out like of it. This? Yep. Sometimes Potter employed levigation, which was a method of removing impurities by suspension in water. So do you understand? They would put the clay in the water, and they would get the junk out of it. Cade, you need to stop. Yes, yes. Tempering agents were added to harden the clay or to reduce its propensity to crack. Among the tempers used at various times were straw, sand, salt, animal poop, and ground up pieces of broken pottery called grog. Okay, so I guess if you added animal dung to clay it would be less likely to break okay why would you get animal that makes sense to me because have you ever seen cow poop it has a bunch of hay in it and so if you have the strands of hay in the clay it might be more likely to stay together what hopey Mm -hmm. is your attitude fixed smile show me a smile so I can tell. Mommy. What? It's time to sit here. Can you show me if your attitude's fixed? If it's not, then go back to your bed, Hopi. I'm going to count to five. I'm giving you a simple instruction. So far, you haven't followed it. One, your only job is to obey me. Two, three, 
four. I asked for a smile by the time I counted to five. Five. This one. This one is... Get your foot out of here. That's not. So go back to your bed again. This is the third time. How many times do we need to do this today? This is simple hope. Stubborn. A formed vessel was air-dried to a leather-hard condition. Wherever possible, pottery was dried in caves. The cooler temperature allowed for slow, even drying. That reminds me of how I put the, the bread in bannetons and put them in the refrigerator for slow fermenting. A vessel might be decorated with a slip, which is a thin-colored coat of watery clay. Or an incised pattern where you, like, carve out a pattern. The pots were then stacked in a kiln and baked. And the kiln had to be hot enough for the pottery to glow red, which was, like, 1,472 degrees Fahrenheit. This is a temperature that had to be maintained for two or three days. I can't even fathom how hot that is. What? Uh, Also... Blue cheese, especially blue cheese, is also made in caves. Because when you eat cheese, you're basically eating a bunch of mold. Thank you. Which is kind of funny, but it's edible, so. Mm. Okay. Unless it's mold that grew on the mold. Do you want me to be done with this? No. Okay. Are you still interested in it? Yeah. Okay. I'm just showing you a bunch of facts. Basic techniques were developed during the Neolithic period. The discovery of pottery making technology was actually a major revolution of the ancient world. Researchers differentiate between pre-pottery and pottery Neolithic phases. Fundamental principles worked out during this time include um, finding the appropriate clay, using tempering agents, and developing proper fire techniques. There were some significant innovations later on But those were just stylistic. They weren't um, formative. Early potters understood the importance of turning clay in order to shape vessels. There was an innovation in in the modern bronze period called the kick wheel. And that allowed potters to create delicate pottery. Since the wheel was turned rapidly by foot, it allowed the potter to use both hands for shaping instead of... of, um, not having that turning wheel. Potters could throw the clay, shaping a lump on a wheel with the age of a centrifugal force. They began to use fine clays that were slippery and plastic or pliable. They didn't use plastic. They used clays that were pliable. And plastic is another word for pliable. The finer clays required more controlled drying and firing process processes since vessels made of such clay could more easily shrink and crack. Toward the end of the Middle Bronze Age, potters learned to decorate pots with slips and paint. While clay dries, salt is suspended in water to form a layer on the surface. And since that scum prevents paints from absorbing properly and distorts their colors, a white Firing slip was applied that would adhere to the vessel so that the red or black paint decorations would not be affected by that scum. The late Bronze Age saw a decline 
in pottery making skills. This is like a skill that one person had to learn and then teach somebody else. And they had to say, they, so one person experimented and they said, wow, this is better. This is a better method. And then, oh, I can make decorations on the pottery by using salt and different colors. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? They had to pass it on. But then in the late Bronze Age, people lost that skill. Late Bronze Potters used less malleable, coarser clays that were easier to work with, but also less prone to cracking. And they attached handles. Um, and using the coarser clay resulted in heavier, thicker pottery. Um, they might have lost that use of the slips, the high-speed wheel. Slips were thinner if they were even used. Pottery was less likely to be painted. During the Iron Age, the quality of pottery making improved a lot. The kick wheel came back. Techniques were developed for producing things faster and for making vessels with thin walls, but they actually had a sturdy base. Potters used string to separate vessels from the remaining clay in the wheel, and people do that still now called string cutting. Sometimes they partially dried vessels and then shaved them down before they fired them. And this made for strong and lightweight pottery. You know, sometimes these people had to move from place to place so they'd carry their pottery. Kind of like when we were in the RV and we had to move from place to place. We wanted things to be lighter. Small vessels like cups were thrown, meaning on the spinning wheel, but large items were used with a coil technique. Jeremiah went down to the potter's house. He descended from Jerusalem to the Hinnom Valley on the western and southern sides of the city, and that is where the potter's quarter was located. He discovered the potter forming a vessel at a fast kick wheel, but when the clay did not form properly, the potter could start over, reshaping that lump into a different vessel. And this was an object lesson for Jeremiah on the sovereignty of God who molds and shapes people and events as he wishes. Was that interesting? Mm -hmm. That was cool. I learned a lot. Okay, so then we're going to go to Revelation. I'm sorry that you did not make a better choice. Now you can make a better choice. All of you should be sitting at the table. Every day, if I go back to these recordings, you're going to find the same thing. And you guys, so far, have not learned. We've been in this house since Christmas. We argued about this in the RV. It is not a blessing to me every morning to have to repeat myself every day. Did you hear your father last night talk about the mom who said when she has to repeat herself so much? What does it mean to her? It means you don't respect her. You don't value what she says. And that is the feeling that I have when you guys continually are not where you're supposed to be. And it's pretty clear. Is it clear? I'll forgive you, but then what are you going to do tomorrow? Are you sure? Because this has been months and months. Good answer. What about you? 
What about you? I'm not going to just do anything because I learned any of it. Are you able to smile now? No because, no, because because I called you only four times and I... And now, if you send me back to my room, then I'm going to cry until it's my time. You're going to your room because you're not obeying me. I'm going to count to five, and by the five, you need to smile. One, two, three, four, five. Good. It took you four times to obey and fix your attitude. I'm done.